0: I'm not loving this new thing you're Johnny doing. Johnny boy. This new drumming along with the You don't song. like my drumming? I'm gonna I'm gonna if you keep it up, I'm gonna change the song. I could beatbox.
1: Why don't you get Siri to beatbox? <laughs> oh she will beatbox, won't she? Yeah. Do we, wanna, do we wanna try it out here? Yeah. Siri, beatbox for me. Here's one I've been practicing boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. I could do this all day. Cats and boots and 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 cats. And cats.
0: The second time she does it, does she start off on the wrong word? Well, it depends on
1: your perspective. Maybe it's the right word. She's starting on the upbeat, not the downbeat, John. It's the upbeat, not the downbeat.
0: Yeah, whatever. Title technology that's what technology was invented for to
1: to beatbox for us um so 2016 i know we were us we're on this pattern here of uh, not recording very often it's again probably my fault
0: it's just Getting started. Plus,
1: you've been extremely sick. i not, not having a conversation without hacking up a lung. It's not even extremely sick. That's what's annoying about it. I feel like I've, I've, I wouldn't even call it sick. It's sick when you're, you're coughing up a lung over I, there. I like. know. But apparently, I got. I went to the doctor, and he says, "Yeah, you've just probably you're probably allergic to cedar, and it's causing you these problems." And so, I, you know, there's no. He s- didn't say it was allergies. He said he had bronchitis. Well, caused by, he thinks, allergies.
0: Uh. We all got that sick, that weird sickness towards the end of last year, and I think you got it after I did, so you were closer to the January time frame than I was, and I think you're still coming off of that. Maybe
1: so. I'd never felt like I really got a cold, though. It never seemed like a cold. I still have a tickle in my
0: throat where I just have to clear my throat or cough every
1: once in a while. Nothing like you, but
0: it'll be a struggle to suppress the coughing.
1: Yep. Anyways, so what's uh what's been happening? It's a new year. We got uh,
0: there's a lot of stuff happening, but I've been busy. So it's I just thought we'd talk and have just cover a few things that I found. Nothing, nothing like super prepared or anything like that. Cause just been busy.
1: Yeah, no, I've. But the problem
0: is I've been busy with a lot of little things, like a lot of little things that don't amount to a lot
1: of. It's it's weird. Death from a thousand cuts. Yeah,
0: I have like all these little things. They're not really generating a lot of hours for me income-wise or anything, but it's just a lot lot of little things. There's a distraction to switch. There's uh, emails, all this kind of stuff. Just all these things coming at me, and I just feel like I haven't been... And this novel you've been writing. Extremely productive. Just (laughs) novel. (laughs) I was writing code. Uh, Whatever. You talking about earlier today? Uh, I like all or morning. The you're like
1: I don't know. You when I know when I
0: know what I want to build, I can just build it. I you just know, have to type away and I zone, can build it.
1: You're turning your eyes holding back of your head, and you're just like the code's coming out of your fingertips through yes, some exactly. subconscious. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's the Great American Novel. Mm-hmm. My code, bestseller for sure. <laughs> Buy it on
1: Amazon. E Kindle enabled. E Kindle is that even a thing? I'm just making stuff up now.
0: I don't know Kindle enabled.
1: <laughs> <coughs> All right. Well, so what's uh, what's been happening? So we had we this is our first recording, in 2016. Yeah. How was your uh, holiday?
0: It was okay. I didn't do anything extravagant. And we had normal Christmas style things with the kids, presents, dinner, and then spent the rest of the week or weekend going to various family members houses and yeah. doing it all over again.
1: Um, anything memorable? Any good food? Interesting food? Throwback food? Childhood food? No. Uh, that that wasn't really a thing for us.
0: <laughs> My wife made some dinner with some things from from her past that you know, but for me that that wasn't like a big deal growing up and for her it kind of was but They haven't really practiced, you know, having family dinners in a while, so it's
1: not a thing either for her. This may be a white person thing, but I I feel like most people, most white people have these things from their childhood, like totally like white trash dishes or desserts. (laughs) (laughs) And so sometimes people will, you know, adult, uh, middle-aged white people want to make these terrible food products that they were you're being but they so consumed when right they now, I know the that they they consumed when they were when they were a kid you know but it's 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 not that it's good food it's not it's it's usually terrible, but it's uh it's what's the word not sentimental but yeah maybe yeah, sentimental It's, it's yeah. sentimental yeah and it's, I, it's having it there but it's I've like been hearing my more grandmother of that.
0: used to make this crappiest thing that no one ever liked but now she's gone and we're gonna make it damn it
1: and it's gonna be on the table and I don't care right. if anyone everyone's gonna at least take yeah. a scoop from it I don't I'm trying to think of what I have that's like kind of white trash oriented is what about the um what about the is it pumpkin or or yam thing that's it's supposed to be like not necessarily a dessert but it's got marshmallows all over the top of it.
0: Yeah, that's either yam some people make it with yams, some people make it with like um sweet potatoes. Yeah. It's like some kind of like sweet potato oh, or yam is casserole. Is sweet potato casserole? Is that I what think it, it's called it is? A casserole, oh, that's yeah. that's just terrible. It's just um, mashed
1: up root with marshmallows on top or something. And there's another thing that I guess this is kind of like Thanksgiving food, but Green bean. This is a, again. This is a white person thing. I, I really think it is. Green bean casserole, which consists of nothing but poor quality green beans with crummy, crappy Campbell's cream of mushroom soup, which has no cream, probably no mushrooms either. Um, and so you just throw those together, put it in a baking dish, and sprinkle these canned fried onion straws or whatever over them. Yeah. No seasoning, no salt and pepper, no herbs, no, no and nothing else. That's it. And this is supposed to be like quality food. This is a terrible dish. It's delicious. I like now it. Now you could <laughs> you could spice that up and turn. Actually,
0: the, I like green bean casserole.
1: I could take those three ingredients and with it, with the ability to add, if I was allowed to add some more things, I could actually turn that into a salvageable dish. But you, um, you can that's turn it into it. can
0: turn it into something that's that's um, What's the word? <laughs> Uh, highbrow. Highbrow. Upperclash. <laughs> I take the green beans and yeah. I grill them ever so slightly yes, until yes. they're al dente. <laughs> well, <okay>. and, then, <laughs> and then I mix my specialized cream <clears> sauce.
1: <and laughs> so, okay. So since we're talking about highbrow food, I do, I have to talk about this, um, this new cooking device that we got. So I got this for Sarah for uh, Christmas. And it's a sous vide cooker. And... So, for people who don't know, sous vide, I think, of course, it's a French word, and I believe it means under pressure. either means under, I think it means under pressure. Under pressure. Yeah. Speaking of uh, another. Yeah. David Bowie's gone. (coughs) Yeah. Rest in peace, David Bowie. For those that did not know. But no, so this, okay, so sous vide, then people for the longest time called it, in restaurants, you'd hear it called, um, they called it French... French water cooking or French underwater. Brian was talking about that on Monday. Remember like that? a French boiler, or something, like, something that. like that. But, but it's, water, really, it's French water bath or something like exactly. that. So it's, it's uh, yeah, sous vide. And what it is for people who don't know, and you got, you really, I'd strongly suggest that everyone look into this, but it's going to seem weird. It does seem weird, but it's this, it almost looks like one of these immersion blenders stick, the stick blenders, uh-huh. but it's, that's the shape of it. So it's like kind of like a long tube. And it, what you do is you fill like a pot of water with, or a pot with water, and you stick this thing on the side and the probe goes down into the water and it has a circulator. So it's circulating the water around, but it also has a, a heating element on it. Right. <clears throat> and it's good, you know, it's good for cooking certain kinds of food. I mean, meats and fish of any kind is a kind of a no brainer. So that's like our first thing we did was ribeyes. So what you do is you put, we put a ribeye steak in each, uh, in uh, individual Ziploc bags, so one steak per bag, and you kind of just—we didn't do any vacuum bags. We just kind of squeeze the air out of out of the bag. You want to get as much air out of the bag as possible. Mm-hmm. But then you clip the bag. You put it in the water, the bag in the water, but you clip it on the edge of the edge of the pot so that the the bag doesn't just, just fall like into the water pot or something. Yeah, doing yeah, basically like a or like I think this is just maybe a four or six quart pot, not not mm-hmm. even that big of a pot. And so for steaks, this thing recommended one twenty nine as the final temperature. So, what it does is it just slowly warms them up to the to the temperature. But once it gets to temperature, unlike cooking on a grill or an oven or whatever, where you got to, as soon as it gets, as soon as your steaks hit that temperature, you get, they got to come out, right? Yeah. This just keeps it at that temperature. And it can stay there. So, perfectly medium rare, essentially, is where it right. stays at. For, you know, I think the minimum cook time they say for a steak, they want you to cook for about an hour. And the thing is, is in addition to, it cooking it to the perfect temperature and never overcooking it. You also have this time variable that you can, that you can exploit, right? Right. You can, I mean, if you, if it's, if you're ready to eat when that hour's up, great eat. But if, but if it, um, if you put them on early because you wanted some leeway time, it can sit in there for another two or three hours. It's not going to overcook. Now it will slowly work the collagens down and stuff. Um, so that, and like the, the more sinewy thing. So, yeah, Eventually you'll end end up with steak mush. You don't want that, right? Right. But I mean, certainly anywhere from one to three hours, you're fine. Um, But the 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 thing that people always think about is, well, how safe is that? I mean, you know, because like we did we did a pork tenderloin the other night, and the final temperature was 135. And most people think, well, that's 135. That's 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 like medium, and that's not hot enough to kill trichinosis and you know, it's not safe. Well, the thing is, is all these numbers I give you for food safety, how, how hot do you cook your steak, your hamburger, your, your pork or whatever. That's assuming that it's only going to be at that temperature for a minute or two. If it's going to be at that temperature for an hour, the temperature that it has to hit for safety is much less. Right? So you can cook, you can cook pork medium or even medium rare. And as long as it's at temperature for say an hour, then it will kill Anything, any living, no, nothing living can live through that, right? And so, the great thing is, now, so, so it's, it, so it's you know, it's going to cook it perfectly. It's never going to overcook it. And you've got all this time to play with. So, timing of dinners is much simpler now. Right. The only thing it won't do is once it's done cooking, you have no sear. You have no crust. You have no Maillard reaction. You have no caramelization, right? Right. Which is what makes... makes food good food food into great food right that's why we invented fire so the last thing you do whether it's you know when you do the steaks or the pork tenderloin is well we chose to use a cast iron pan so we get a cast iron pan you know smoking hot and we just put some like for the steaks actually we did um, a high temp oil i think we just use soybean oil because it can go pretty high temp but Mm. the sapphire oil is my favorite for high temp Mm. we just ran out of it but um soybean oil in the the super hot pan and i'm talking five to six hundred degrees and then we. I also did a pat of butter because butter browns and it's so nice on steaks. This is kind of like a. This is like a secret. I'm just letting you know. This is. But you can't letting use the you guys in on my. This is my restaurant secret. What's that? You can't use the butter without the oil on that temperature. No, you wouldn't want to It'll do just butter. It. it would probably yeah. burn too much. Um, but no, about about thirty, maybe sixty seconds, uh, just long enough to get uh, whatever kind of sear, or kind of crust you want on the steak. Um, sixty seconds on each side, maybe, maybe, maybe two minutes on each side at the most. Right. And it just makes the most perfect. Amazing steak. Good to know. I mean, I'm I, so sold. I look forward to my next invite to dinner. <clears throat> well, and that's the great thing about this. If you're having people over, it's great for parties. Because the biggest problem that the, the number one problem you always run into on parties is, oh, um, you know, I got to time the food. We got to time it to be ready on time. Yeah. And it's either <laughs> ends up being, you know, an hour later, an hour early. And what do you do when it, if it's done early? You, you try to keep it warm, but then it ends up overcooking. And yeah. if it's not done all the time or on time, then people are, everyone's hungry and then people start getting irritated because they come out for a dinner party. And now it's nine o'clock PM and like there's the food's not even ready yet. You know, it's, it's Deplated tough. all the hors d'oeuvres. Exactly. And everyone's getting, you know, drunk by then because instead <laughs> of eating, they're drinking. <laughs> I'm about to make a Wendy's run. <laughs> exactly. So it just takes all those problems away. And, and not only that, but it, it literally is, in my opinion, is the best way to cook. I mean, just the food is so perfect and it's not limited to just like meat and fish and things. I mean, you can do, now I haven't done any vegetables yet, but I'm um, a lot of what I've read is they, you know, it just, it, it's the similar thing with vegetables, you know, perfect green beans, perfect asparagus, whatever. And you can do big things too. So, you know, you can, you could get a big tub and put a brisket in it or a rib roast. Hmm. It just has to be a tub big enough that it can, the, the meat can sit down in and you just clamp this. Cooker onto the onto the right on the inside on the edge of the container. We're gonna actually get a, like a big one of those big clear plastic food grade just uh, tubs or whatever mm-hmm. for for doing bigger things. I'm cool. Um, the one we have we got is called it's by a company called Anova A N O V A and they. Um, they I think were a Kickstarter or their second version they did Kickstarter on but um, Andy Anotko did who writes for the Chicago Sun-Times and he's on a bunch of podcasts He's kind of an internet nerd famous guy um, he he wrote up a, a thing in Chicago Sun-Times and he also did an episode of his uh, Anotko's Almanac I think is what it's called on the 5 by 5 network uh-huh. um, where they talked they did basically like an hour long episode about this thing so uh, it's, I think it's under a hundred dollars. You can get them on. They were, they go on sale for like one twenty nine. If it's on, it's like one fifty. I think. Um, it's blue. T- it can be, it's got an app for your phone. You can, it, oh, you it, can it's get, an IOT. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's yes. It's the, <laughs> the internet of, uh, the internet of things. Co- no one wants. It's, <clears> it's <throat> reporting my, the temperature I'm cooking back, you know, at back to Mark Benioff so he can, uh, get onto me for not <laughs> cooking my food to a safe temperature. Maybe I'm not sure. Kind of like that uh, man, baby toothbrush. Yeah.
0: Well, let's we'll see. the The so your food links up to, you. to your toothbrush, so it knows how long you need to floss exactly, and how long right. you need to brush.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, you just ate a steak. You really need to floss your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and if not, then you know the. If not, then it dings your insurance company and your dental insurance company, and and your rates go up. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're not taking care of your teeth. <laughs> um. But it's pretty amazing. The food is incredible. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was that was kind of my uh, that was one of the highlights of my holidays. I got to admit.
0: Again, I look forward to dinner.
1: Yeah. We haven't done a we haven't done a gathering yet, but we will. I assure you.
0: Speaking of Internet of Things. Is that still happening?
1: Yeah, although <clears throat> sorry. <this> Let's <clears throat> cough. This Internet of Things, um I I saw this on a lot of like the year end lists yeah. and also predictions. And <clears throat> it's I would I have to say, overall it's 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 fallen out of favor. Like it's It's more on the side of it's not going to live up to expectations and people are predicting that it's going to, I mean, it's not going anywhere, but just like the hype was overdone and, and security is going to be a big issue. And, you know, and everyone, no one wants to talk about that when, you know, when everything around you has got an IP address and is on the network, then massive security issues. And it has, they, they, all these things have sensors, right? They're sensing what you're eating, what you, how often you're brushing your teeth, you know, what you're cooking your meat to, how fast you're driving. I mean, this is, Massive security implications, and and so I think the hype it's it's kind of hit its what's that hype kind of cycle thing? where then the trough of disillusionment and all that you know yeah uh, so. I've been
0: noticing that as well I, I, and I mean, also, even the
1: stuff that's coming out it's it's very isolated in
0: in its implementation so like the sous vide it, it's it's probably got its own app it doesn't integrate with anything it's not part of HomeKit or whatever Google's home network is right. or whatever and that's one of the other complaints about you know the Internet of Things in general is there's no standard protocol, so everything is kind of one-off little pieces of its own technology. So there's no greater you know collaboration between the two.
1: Uh, I'm, yeah, and I'm just I'm I mean I'm not up to the up to speed with the standards that are around IoT. I don't even know if there are very good standards. I don't think it. there are. I mean, aside from what you're getting
0: from like Apple or Google, whoever are trying to develop this kind of home home market home automation. Platform, I guess we'll say, um, but yeah. I mean, but then the, the, other side, part, right? the other part of it is is not so much the technology itself, but the fact that do I really want a toothbrush that that I have an app for? Do I really need an app for my toothbrush? Do I really need an app for this? Do I really need an app for that? Right. It, it's whether or not you know it, it is the ROI of buying something that that's somehow connected to the internet or connected to my phone any much better than you know. Uh, let's talk about light switches. You know, they have light bulbs now that you can screw into the ceiling and it's connected to your phone. You could turn them off directly from there.
1: Yeah, right, right. Like the hue. How is that
0: any harder than just walking up and... flipping?
1: Well, the lights that's, that's a different... <clears throat> I'm just saying. I, I think it's cool to sit on your couch and be able to like turn your lights into like blue or purple and for your you little would. party that you're having or whatever. You just sit there with your app. Just sitting there <laughs> yep. changing lights, Yeah, you know? Annoying everyone. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Jeremy's cut off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's playing with the lights. All right. Um... No, I I think for, you know, there's a lot of good use cases for businesses. I mean, you know, if you think of um, like the whole like SCADA systems or SCADA or SCADA, however you say them, S-C-A-D-A, that um, they're like remote kind of control. What is SCADA? Um, I have to look it up. But um, I've known like oil service companies that use supervisory control and data acquisition. It's a system for remote monitoring and control that operates with coded signals over communication channels. Um, But like oil, like companies that have, you know, wells and, and drilling rigs and all kinds of stuff. I mean, but I think these aren't new no things. Pumping, these are things that they've wells. had. And, and maybe technology
0: is advancing so they can be more but, remote But it was sensors kind of like, you know, wireless, one of the first –
1: even though
0: – But those though, saw specific needs. They were like th- – those were needs of, okay, we have this thing down there. We really need to monitor it. Otherwise, if we don't, the, you know, something bad is going to happen.
1: Well, those We're talking about a
0: toothbrush. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I mean, when we're talking consumer market, what is it that we need to be connected?
1: Well, I'm not saying – I'm not making a strong argument for consumer. I am saying, though, for commercial and industrial, there's pretty good – I mean, shipping containers, that's one of the common ones. Um, There's there's a lot of, I think, uses. But another thing that um, I think has been underestimated or just kind of like swept under the rug or hush-hush, don't talk about that, is just the cost of Internet of Things. It's – it's more substantial than a lot of the vendors would have you believe to, to to do it right and to do a implementation that's actually going to have an ROI. Yeah, and even people like Salesforce, you talk about the Internet of Things. I mean, they're not they're still not even ready for it. You know, it's just it's still early on and cost too much and incomplete implementations, incomplete standards, very lax in security. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not making any specific accusations about security. It's just. It's something that, you know, any company that's looking at deploying Internet of Things or something along those lines is going to have to consider. And just the story from a lot of these vendors isn't great. Like, I mean, if you were wanted to consider Internet of Things for tracking, um, maybe your company lets people rent out some kind of thing. And you have thousands of these things and, uh, you know, you want to Internet of Things, these things, right? Does Salesforce have a great story for you? I don't think so. I don't know. <clears throat> it depends on what part of the platform you're talking about. Well, they're not even Salesforce isn't even ready. They're not even. It's honestly not even an option yet. But the question is, is is when you know when will it be an option? And and again, what will the standards be? What will the cost be? It's just not, it's not a it's not a. Great well, Salesforce story.
0: isn't trying to play in the where your IoT. Well, I guess you have to cut through the marketing to see. You know, they're not really the IoT platform, but they are trying to be available. They're trying to make that feed of information from your. IoT system into Salesforce so that it's accessible to your support team. But as far as I know, they haven't gone full-blown and said, hey, write your
1: IoT platform directly into Salesforce. I mean, Salesforce is starting from the angle of "Hey, you just worry about producing data and we'll ingest and deal with the data. Exactly. So, incomplete to say the least. All right. Hook up your cat water bowl to us. Um...
0: We have a lot of new stuff to talk about in terms of um, the new release coming out, Winter I'm 16, but there was one correction I wanted to make from our <clears> last, or before last recording, and that's when we were talking about these, uh, um, shoot, configurators, uh, um, price quote, CPQs. CPQ, yeah. Um, we had said that Firepond was gone.
1: they still around? No, I, I wasn't sure they were gone. I just hadn't. I don't hear about them very much anymore. Well, that's because they kind of were gone, but then they got... Oh, they're FPX. FPX they're FPX now, so oh, okay. they kind of
0: got, They, I guess they got bought up or re-engineered or someone invested them in and said, okay, we're putting in a whole new team here and re- rebranding. Mm, yeah, and so they rebranded as FPX. Yeah.
1: So someone had mentioned to us on that on Twitter, and so I thought I'd mention that. Did they have a falling out with Salesforce? They used to be like a, that was one of their main plays was sell, the Salesforce space, and I don't even see it on their website anymore.
0: Uh, chances are, if they had to restructure and rename, they probably had... A lot of problems. and I mean, because renaming, to to go from firepond just like us to are going to go, they don't exist anymore. It's that, risky to change your name like that. So the only reason to change your name is if you have some really bad publicity, you know, really bad track record and you just need to
1: reset. Oh, that's not true. That's not the only reason. There's a lot of reasons. They filed for bankruptcy in 2009. According to the Googles. Google's.
0: Basecamp uh, is changing some of the ter- terminology. Did you see that?
1: Nope. I don't use Basecamp.
0: Well, they want to be the project management tool for everything. I don't know if this, if, if this is a direction they're trying to go towards or if they're just kind of looking at the community and realizing that people are using Basecamp for other things, not just projects. I'm going to use Basecamp because it doesn't have Apex. Oh, there you go. No, I just refusing anything that doesn't have Apex. Well, Basecamp is deciding to call projects Basecamps. So they're no longer projects. Their base camps wow that's stupid it's, it's just a way to generalize the term so that you're not if, if you have a the exam one of the examples they gave was like maybe you have a book club you're managing and you know book clubs don't have projects
1: so they just call it a base camp that's ridiculous good for them hope it works out <laughs> you know they so they're um they're their own company they spun that off or wait a minute no what got spun off um the, what was their CRM called uh, high-rise that got spun off mm. I think they didn't they Spent off everything except for thirty-seven signals rebranded as Basecamp, and everything else got sold off. Right, something like that. Oh, I didn't. I didn't follow that. (coughs) So thirty-seven signals as a name is not a thing anymore. Yeah. Now Basecamp, that was a year ago. Wow. No, that was two years ago. That's insane. I remember looking at it,
0: and it was a nice tool, but I just...
1: They've always had nice design. Yeah. And and they're all about the simplicity, and I do appreciate that. Um, but the biggest complaint about them is when you need to go past that simplicity. Um, it's not as configurable. I don't
0: know. I, I think sometimes... People take project management tools and they try to make them more than they need. I I enjoy because they don't don't understand project management. (laughs) I mean, like for my task manager, I've tried all these different task managers, and they were they required all this folder management and project management and hierarchies of data. And I just went to Wonderlist where I just entered a task, and that was it. I gave it a due date, and that was it. I don't know. I just I I think there are times in our life where we get these ideas of grandeur when it comes to managing things, and we take something that should be simple. And handle edge cases as edge cases
1: um and blow it up, yeah, or people that just want to take some really ridiculously stupid process and make the make some project management tool follow that, and it's like dude there are there are known and and accepted ways of doing project management for a for a good reason, yeah, yeah, you know, too much automation learn those too things. much
0: automation can get you in trouble too,
1: yeah. doesn't save you as much time as you think. So I think I was talking to you about this, but I wanted to kind of mention it because this is like, uh, this is a problem that I have not solved. I always think about, but I don't, I don't really solve in any kind of good reusable consistent way, which is, which is um, when you're working in Salesforce. So we got to, I don't know. I feel like we have to say a few things about Salesforce here since this is a, a nominally Salesforce oriented podcast. Um, the repository pattern in Apex. Mm, yeah. And I probably should look up a good re- definition of a repository pattern. It's basically just the idea that instead of just having SQL code or SQL, whatever you're in, just all throughout your, your business logic and all throughout your code, <clears throat> you have that encapsulated behind well-defined interfaces um, that an interface that implements a repository, the repository pattern, the idea that like, this is where you go to get stuff and put stuff, right? Right. And it's a simplified interface and it, it encapsulates all the tricky logic or any data store specific things and queries and all that kind of stuff, right? And every time I think, oh, you know what? I'm going to implement the repository pattern on this project. It never really works out all that well. Yeah, I've had the same experience. Because unlike traditional... Modern ORM tools, um, Salesforce makes you in your query basically get everything you're going to need. So related objects. So for example, un- unlike something like, what's the ORM? Um, oh gosh, it slips my mind. The big Java or ORM that Hibernate, right? There's a ton of others, but those things, you know, you can you can query like an account, for example. But if you traver- if you when you get that object back and you you traverse to the contact or whatever, if it needs to, it'll go fire off a database query right there, right mm-hmm. in the middle of your all you're, you're cutting, you're doing, and just kind of live bringing the stuff back. Now, that's probably not as efficient. That's another round trip to the database, right? Right. But you don't have to. It simplifies your repository to class or classes, right? Right. Um, you don't have to. Also, with Hibernate, you don't have to specify every, you know, the, the fields that you want. I mean, by default, it's going to get you all the fields. I mean, you can you can't customize these things to some degree, but with Salesforce, you know, you have to specify every field you're going to need. Which I guess is kind of fine because you could use one of these tools that it, it dynamically runtime builds a thing that just gets you all the fields. And there's technically no penalty for that. Although you, there's probably a little bit of a time there, performance there's a, thing. There's a time cost and then depend, memory, it, it right? could
0: be blob fields and things like that. You really
1: aren't going to deal with. Right. And all, there's also a memory, you know, just, it's going to be Yeah, because yeah, that would get into memory constraints. But the, but the big thing is, you know, uh, you know, maybe one visual force page needs just, just some account fields but another visual force page or some batch job or source or, or rest service you've implemented needs the account with um, the related contacts. or related, you know, it's like, well, what yeah. do you do? Do you build a repository that just pulls in every related thing just in case you just because depending on who's going to, someone's going to need it. Right. Well, all that right. doesn't work either. That doesn't scale. I mean that now, now you've really bloated your repository. All right. I mean, every query is just basically pulling in this entire graph and memory. this object graph of just all this stuff. Yeah. And so I searched, you know, the other day, I was like, man, um, does this not been solved or whatever? And it all, you know, anytime you search for anything related to like software patterns or, or like Martin Fowler style enterprise application patterns, um, this one guy always comes up. Um, Let's see. Enterprise. He's the, um, what's the Er, quasi-ERP company called that runs on Salesforce? Oh, Financial Force? Yes. Um, What's the guy's name? It'll come right up here. Hang on. Actually, um, some Salesforce article came up, but it's written by Andrew Fawcett. Andy Fawcett. Yeah. <coughs> Andy in the cloud. That's what his... Uh, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, But anyway, smart guy. <clears throat> and he's, you know, you can tell he's thought a lot about this. But he has a pattern that I am not as familiar with It's um, so like a query factory it's not he doesn't use he doesn't call it a repository pattern so that's probably not the repository pattern. It's something else um, let's see repository pattern apex um, but anyway I want I want to look into this and I wanted to see if you um, had used this um, the select he calls it a selector layer. A selector, yeah. I'm not even familiar with the, a selector layer. He references Martin Fowler's data mapper pattern, and that's that's kind of what, like, um, what's Rails saying? The Active Record is kind of based on. Mm-hmm. Although Active Record is, I mean, the pattern there is actually Active Record.
0: Yeah, I've I've had limited exposure to it when I was implementing some of the enterprise enterprise patterns. Um, he has that whole kit you can download and install into your org and you're just using all these patterns and requires all these interfaces and things and it requires things like queries and things to be in selectors and those get instantiated and inherited as needed um, but uh, it's it's still a lot of bloat because yeah. again you're still having to code or at least configure for those ed, for those particular cases you're not getting the ability for it to kind of dynamically go out and query these fields you're not getting efficiencies you know if you one scenario requires this data, and another scenario requires one extra field. You're gonna write another query or another selector or
1: whichever. Yeah, and I I, I want to look into this. And I, actually, it would be he'd be someone that would be cool to have on as a, a guest sometime. Yeah, because I've just gotten all kinds of questions around. And you know, usually what I fall back to is just instead of having a central repository, I just essentially each business class kind of gets its own private little repository that's custom to what it needs. Yeah, we've talked about. I mean, that. I still try to keep you know the querying to its own place and and out of you know I don't have queries in the middle of a bunch of business logic and stuff, but it's it's not as good as what I want, not as reusable. But it's just you know I don't know. Still, again, SQL is the SQL in Apex. It's not an ORM. Yeah, no. um, it's a query language which does map to objects, but it's extremely simplified compared to something like. Um, Hibernate or .NETs. Um, what do they call theirs? You're a .NET guy. .NET um, ORM. The link stuff. Um, I mean, that's no. What am I thinking of? .NET I think they entity did have frame, like, Entity yeah, Framework.
0: Yeah, I think they had it, but I never liked it. I, I, I've i never really liked Orms have, at all. They also have
1: Inhibernate. Well, they're... I've always found that to be... you got to know be, how to... It's a, it's, a, it's a powerful tool, and it's got... It takes... I, I mean, I can think back to some of my first times when I used Orms, and I didn't fully understand them. You end up impl, you know, using them wrong, and you got to know how to use them. Yeah. Um, and they're not for everything. No. They're not for everything. But you know what they're really good at? It's just these CRUD-based business apps that's really kind of what they're for. Yeah. They're not for reporting or high volume stuff or super bulkified stuff. You write custom queries for those, right? Cause that's, that's all about performance and you really want to get down to not the metal, but yeah. you know, you want to be, you do want to be handwriting your queries. Um, but for all just the screens and the, you know, the apps and the business stuff, <laughs> I want sound like Bill Cosby there. Yeah. And the apps and the business stuff <laughs> and the queries. You know, it's, and it's a good jello pudding. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> um, that uh, that's what it's for, and it's really good at that. I mean, our good ones are good at that, and yeah, it's just this not not great in the land of Apex and Sockwell.
0: But uh, yeah, but I mean, to my point, I'm I'm not really missing it because <coughs> I've I've never really found them to be all that valuable. At least with the things that I've built. In fact, there are times where I've, I mean, this is to my own detriment, but I've built my own and really. They, they, I've screwed up. You know, I've I've loaded way too. You know, I didn't conf- put messed up in my coding or messed up in, in some kind of criteria logic to where all of a sudden it tried to load the entire database into my my, my, my model. Yeah, and so I don't know. I just I found uh, them that's, risky, when, that's when you're doing dangerous. Something. Really easy to kind of <clears throat> screw things up with. And I really find you know fine tuning a, a, a
1: lot of people say that letting you know your average developer write queries is a da- is a risky and dangerous thing to do as well.
0: True, but I mean, I've also been on projects where someone's implemented full arm, full, all these other kind of stuff, and it would just seem like way too much bloat to do something really simple.
1: Well, that could be too. In certain situations. Yeah. Um, but for typical enterprise app, you know.
0: Well, I, I mean, think, well, let's talk about that. I mean, okay. for Salesforce, we're not writing Oh, well, we are at times. No, we are. Depending we on are. the scenario, we're writing full-blown applications.
1: 80% of the time, I'm writing just CRUD apps, right? Essentially.
0: But, yeah, 90% of the time, you're writing a trigger, you're writing some kind of business logic, handler, whatever, processor, and mm. I mean, really, you're going to stick an ORM in front of that?
1: I want an, I would like an ORM to be my repository for all these things. Yes. I'm not all, for m- most of these things. So, I'm so I'm not rewriting query logic every time I do stuff. I, agreed. I mean, it, it
0: the idea of it is sound. It's the implementation that and the value you can get out of it in Salesforce
1: is, is, I don't think it's going to buy you much. Well, because there is no quality ORM in Salesforce. And that's why, again, that's why I'm I always think of, you know, is there a better way I can implement, you know, kind of my own, just not not an ORM, but just an, a, re, a repository pattern. Um, I
0: don't know, because the, the only reason ORM works is because of the speed of the query is, is the fact that it can very quickly go and grab more information. Usually the ORM is,
1: fairly close to the database. Yes. Right. In this case, we're miles away from the database. Mm, No. The visual forces, your, for example, let's take a visual force, your apex controller. It's running right there in the data center with the database. I'm not talking about the data center. I'm
0: talking about the, the distance I'm talking about is the layers of security, all the of you know, filtering, all those kind of things that sit on top of the actual database before you actually get a record that it has to go through. To me, that is distance. That's why a query uh, yeah, will yeah, this, take. This is Salesforce problem, take a not, m- not a my problem. Few seconds <clears throat> to yeah. get some
1: data back versus you yeah, go every, and write a every, SoCo every query. Every every app security, whether you're using Salesforce or whether you're building a Java system. Yeah, everything requires But not true that those
0: security. layers of, of of code sitting on top of the database before we get access to that information does cost time. Well, sure, but it does in
1: any system. That's my that's what I'm I saying. Mean,
0: as someone who's never worked on Salesforce, you know, query a million records in your in your database, they'll go, sure, no problem. Okay. Go, go ask someone in Salesforce to query a
1: million records in Salesforce. They'll be like, oh, crap. Let me get my bulk API implementation done. Yeah. And I mean, security is some component of that, but security is always a component of,
0: I'm of not talking about. Like I'm that. not talking about security. I'm just talking about the, the fact that it has to traverse those layers. It has to traverse the, the metadata layer, traverse the security layer, traverse any other layers in between yeah. that they've, they've overlaid on top of it in order to get your information. That's distance to me. That's time. I guess, but I mean, what I'm saying is, every any enterprise system is going to have that, right? Right, but in, in terms of an ORM, an ORM that can can somehow decide, well, I need this information, let me go get it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. It yeah. can't do that because not only is there time, there's also a limit on how many queries you can do.
1: You talking about Salesforce? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. well, yeah, but that's well, yeah, that's because Salesforce doesn't want to scale; they want to limit. They don't want you to. They don't want you to, you know, do 200 queries. They don't want you to. You know, query hundred thousand records. They're not going to let you do that.
0: I think I think the selector pattern is probably better in this case than than a full blown norm. Well, an orm's not even an option. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I know you'd like to find find a solution to the repository pattern, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think that applies to Salesforce
1: with the way Salesforce
0: is implemented.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you could say that about lots of leading technologies. You just can't use them on Salesforce. They just don't apply to Salesforce.
0: True, right. but I mean a lot of those a lot of those patterns were designed given certain environments, given certain languages, and yeah, they they all have some root, and they're all, they're all very scalable and applicable to a lot of different environments. But we're talking about Salesforce, which is yeah. a very unique <clears throat> environment. Yeah, and you know, people like you and I and Andrew and all those guys, we have to find well, new ways of <clears throat>
1: of solving these problems. And I'm not, I'm not even asking for an ORM. Actually, <clears throat> I mean, ORMs have been falling out of favor for a long time, as too too magical too big too costly too you know yeah you want to talk about magic talk about a norm oh absolutely it's ridiculous yeah um it i mean loads of dynamic you know like runtime reflection going on and, and all kinds of stuff um again they have their place but boy you you really have to understand that tool really well to know how to use it right and to know when not to use it that's when I think people, that's when people go. But anyway. Yeah, uh,
0: like reflection is probably another factor that you'll never get an ORM out of I don't, I don't think ORMs
1: are near, especially with the, with just the way that typical application architectures change. You know, you've got microservices and, you know, the 12 factor app mm-hmm. idea. Um, ORMs just really don't fit into that very much. I mean, you're typically going to be writing your own simple, again, repository pattern probably. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to be using an ORM.
0: Well, especially since our applications are much more distributed, they're mobile now, they're, you know, they're web-based. So so the cost of transaction of, you know, making another request is expensive.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so I guess the bottom line for this, is I is I want to look into this selector layer. I hope it's not one of the things that you have to buy into, like, this all this other stuff, this whole framework, you know. It just keeps pulling in bits and different things, <laughs> and next thing you know, you've got, you know, 87, I, I that, 87 layers to your app.
0: If, if I remember the enterprise patterns when I downloaded it, it you could use bits and pieces and of it that, but there were yeah. parts of it that were kind of fairly yeah. dependent on others so you kind of just needed the whole thing yeah which it's a great set of classes and if you know it can be a
1: little intimidating i mean i, I looked at like the the unit of work implementation and it's just beca- and it's not it's not andrews fault it's it, the limitations in apex this the the limitations you have in just basically reflection and r- runtime stuff, it's just, it's li- very limited in how smart the, because basically the, a unit of work, it's its looking at all these objects that you've changed. Right. And in fact, like if you look at typical like usage of hibernate code or something, mm-hmm. it's actually pretty magical. Like you can, you know, query some different things and just, you know, update some properties on some objects or whatever. And then as soon as that, and then when that method, when that method ends, right, it's, it knows it's hit a transaction boundary because that method was the transaction boundary and it just looks at what changed and it can, yeah. it can even do a diff and see, you know, and, and it knows and it'll send some, you know, highly optimized query back to the database to reflect, to send up, send those changes across to the database. Right. right. And the implementation I've seen of, of that unit of work pattern, it's, it's, you know, you, as, as the user of this thing, you have to actually tell it so much. You basically have to tell it everything. Yeah. I've changed this thing. I haven't changed this thing. So it's it's kind of a like uh it's it's a unit of work on training wheels, kind of.
0: <coughs> Moving on. So right. I have a suspicion or uh, a I don't it's not really a suspicion. I I, I think exact target marketing cloud is next up to get the lightning treatment. And I say that because the Insect uh, Target actually has this UI framework called Fuel UX. And I happened to be on dribble one day and one of the designers posted a few screenshots of a rebranded fuel site or Fuel UX site. Yeah. Um, indicating, you know, the lightning experience. So I don't deal much with the marketing cloud so or build anything on it. Yeah. So it, it's all kind of foreign to me, but I just thought I'd mention that.
1: That one's up next. I was so this we were talking about earlier how you were you were trying to reset a token or something, right? You, you get a security token, API token, whatever oh, it's yeah. called. And you're yeah. like, God, I can't remember where the hell this is. And it's like, it's of <laughs> that weird my settings things which takes you to this, I guess I'll say new UI in quotes because it's yeah. not as new as Lightning, but you can tell they were going to rebrand Salesforce with this Certain UI and there's other screens they have too. Like when you go in to manage yeah. a community, it takes you to this whole completely different system that's a totally different UI. And they kind of got some somewhat they, they down that like, road. They weren't like acquisition UIs.
0: They were just no. these were just like this new yeah. direction that they yep. were they were kind of tr- you know putting this new design on it.
1: It's like someone started that and then they quit and went to work somewhere else. And no one just no <laughs> one kept going. And they're like, hey, let's just uh, let's do something else. Let's do uh, lightning. You know? No, I
0: don't think they quit. They just went in a new direction because they realized that just putting a new f- pretty face or more lipstick on, on
1: Salesforce wasn't going to work. I mean, just the different, the the, the number of kind of UI paradigms. And then you've got um, things from acquisitions, flow, and... Well, that's why I'm happy about this, about seeing this different. marketing
0: cloud thing, because, you know, that that is one way to kind of tie your interfaces together to make everything seem the same, <clears> is to make sure that they look and act and function in a
1: very similar fashion, regardless of what the back end is. And you say make sure, but the thing, the, the, this is enterprise software now with all these different... You know, they're spread so thin now that it's, they're never going to be unified. As soon, by the time they finish implementing Lightning and everything, they will be 60% of the way through in implementing the next UI paradigm, which will be, you know, four years from now. Maybe theme wise, I, I think architecture wise, it'll be much longer before that. Yeah, it could be 10 years. 10 years. Whatever the number is. I'm sure that's that's got to be the order of magnitude, though. It's not, you know. It's not one year and it's not 100 years, right? Somewhere in between. Yeah.
0: Have you had a chance <clears> to look at the new uh, release notes?
1: No. But I, before we get into that, I did, I, it's just something enough fun that I want to cover. Fun. Because we'll probably have to end We're already 45 minutes in. we'll have to finish. We'll have, I'm sure release notes will take us to the end, right? Yeah. All right. This is something I always like looking at every year. It's um, it's Lake Superior uh, University. University. Ha- publishes a list of banished words at the beginning of it's either at the beginning of the year, or the end of the year, I guess. Hmm. So I just wanted to cover those words because the boy, they got some good ones here. All right. The first one is so <laughs> it is banned. <laughs> how um, do they spell it? It says, it says just SO. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the <laughs> this is funny, kind of funny how they say this. So the word that received the most nominations this year was already banished, but today's being used differently than it was in 1999. When nominators were saying, I, I'm so down with this list. That's why people used to use it. As in, yeah. um, now that's I guess it's like, really, an, adv- it. an adverb, right? I'm so down, you know, whatever. Yeah. Now they're starting, they're using yeah. it as a quasi conjunction.
0: Well, that was one of my words that I had to get dinged on because I kept, I would start, we'd, we'd start the podcast and I go,
1: so this happened. And I'm like, I got to stop saying that word. Yeah, exactly. So uh, here's an example. So my dad was into classical music. You know, it's like, you don't start a sentence with so like that. Unless you're continuing unless it's a conjunction you're continuing something. Right. You know, I took the steaks out of the freezer so that they would be thawed when we cooked them, right? You know, it's like that's a good one. So so <laughs> I also banished you from using that voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh next one. Conversation. <laughs>
0: What's wrong with conversation? That, because it's the way you and I are it. having a conversation it's, it's, right it's, now. No,
1: it's the metaphorical. It's it's when Obama gets up and talks about we got to have a conversation about race or whatever, you know. Oh, so, so using the term the,
0: in a way to say that we're going to have a conversation, but there's no two way communication.
1: Yeah, we got we're going to have a conversation about guns in this country, gun safety. <laughs> conversation. I, I still understand what the what the problem is with the word. Online publications and us to, invite us to join the conversation, but it's which a one is way, ju- it's a one way conversation. It's not even that. It's just us, you know. It's like everyone yelling into the ether.
0: Yeah, I, I still yeah that yeah, that's the one way conversation I'm talking about. That that bugs me. Let's yeah. have a conversation about that. Listen to everything I say and shut up. No, it's, just, it's a conversation. Okay, I banned the use of that <laughs> voice too. <laughs> Especially since I'm sitting across from you, you get, I get this weird face from you. Yeah. I'm getting kind of <laughs> creepy yeah. here.
1: Yeah, next word, problematic. It's a corporate academic, corporate hyphen academic weasel word. Yeah, I could see um, how that'd be problematic. So here's a usage. Somewhere along the line, this word became a trendy replacement for that's a problem. I just hate it. Oh, that wasn't a usage. Anyway, yeah.
0: It's become problematic. Along those lines, opportunity was another one I hated. They wouldn't say the word problem. There were companies where like, that word was forbidden. You had to say the word opportunity. We have an opportunity. Yeah. The, System stop billing customers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: We have an opportunity, which is our revenue has dropped 800% because, you know, <laughs> whatever. So I guess that's an opportunity. Uh, now, Benioff is not going to like this one. Oh, no. Yeah. It's not, it's not, um, <clears throat> um, um. <laughs> stakeholder. A oh. word that has expanded from describing someone who may actually have a stake in a situation or problem now being overused in business to describe customers and others. And here's another thing. It, here's what they say. Often used with the word engagement. Ooh. Yeah. And get some stakeholder engagement. <sighs> Double whammy. And they also socialize. We need to socialize this concept with our stakeholders. That, that form of socialize, that's got to go. But that's, that was years past. I mean, I I think I had that on my list for like seven years ago. Yeah. Um, price point. Another example of using two words when one will do. Yeah. It's the price. Yeah. What's this price point? Just an extra word you tacked on there. So it sounds fancy. So it sounds like you, you know, your MBA was worth its money. You paid for it. I, I don't
0: know. <clears throat> I mean, doesn't, doesn't it? Isn't it supposed to, to refer to a certain set price that you're trying to reach? Like a, you know,
1: a point in time or a point in the trend? I guess. All right. Uh, next one. Secret sauce. Usually used in a sentence explaining the secret. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want you use the word secret sauce in your new <laughs> voices. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but now I guess these are not just necessarily words or phrases. But anyway, next one. Break the internet. Ah, oh, I'm sick of that one. That, it needs to go, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. A phrase that is annoying. Annoying. Uh, one online word watchers around the word, world. Wow. Easy I wonder how many say. people actually believe that the internet gets broken every time Kim, Kim Kardashian flashes her butt. I don't know. Here's one for you. Oh, yeah. Let's walk it back. A, a slower backpedal. That's almost it seems passive as, aggressive it seems to as, me. It like walk a, it back. As if every politician who makes a statement has to walk it back, meaning retract the statement. Uh, presser. I never, uh, yeah, short in form of press release or press conference. Oppressor. I don't know. I mean, ooh, this sounds disgusting. Manspreading. A word that is familiar to those in bigger cities where seats on the bus or subway are sometimes oh, difficult to find. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and you just you just sit with your legs wide is open. Is that what you're that like, means? Yeah, you're, you're like just take, taking up real estate. Men don't need another disgusting sounding word thrown into the vocabulary to describe something they do. You're just taking too much room on this train. (laughs) Be more polite. Manspreading. Yeah. I said-
0: You've never never gone to like some public place and there's a seat next to or on either side and there's like some gigantic like 10 foot tall guy and he's sitting there with his legs spread out and there's like no way you're going to sit next to him. I just drive my car everywhere. I'm not talking about cars. It could be sitting at the airport. It could be anywhere where you have to be engaged with a crowd and try to find a seat. It's worse when it comes to, like, benches and things, where there's we, no defined seat. And this is a man, man thing. Women don't do this? Well, women don't tend to sit that way.
1: Okay. that's That was all I was yeah. asking. All right. Here's another one. Vape. Oh, vape yeah. and vaping used to describe the act of smoking e-cigarettes. Another strange word. Anytime I hear someone say <clears throat> vape, I'm thinking <clears throat> pothead.
0: Really? Yeah. It well, just seems to be that culture, like...
1: Well, they did start vaping not, before not, cigarettes. I think people who, like, do e-cigs continue. are
0: like... I. I have an e-cig.
1: Yeah. But people use the word vape. It's like, it's they're like part of that culture. I don't know, man. The smoke, there's all these shops that have popped up to sell the nicotine juice. I mean, those are all called vape shops. Yeah. And I bet they got a back room where you can get some other stuff. Here's one. Giving me life. The phrase that refers to anything that makes excite a person. I, Jeremy, you give me life. I don't, that's weird. On multiple <laughs> levels. Um, physicality. Eh. the physicality it's, we had to include one word for the sports fans Um, it's overused by every sp- it, that's true every sports broadcaster and writer they do talk about physicality is that even a word probably not anyway alright release notes that was the end of the list
0: that was fun yeah except for your creepy voices
1: you just don't want to participate in a conversation
0: I find your voice is problematic. <laughs> we have an opportunity here to correct that. <laughs>
1: exactly. Mm. All right. Just don't man spread on me. <laughs> too late. Oh, too God. late. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's get to release notes before this goes way too <laughs> <Yeah>. far. <laughs> uh, there, uh,
0: there's a few nuggets in there. I only picked out a few. I will say. F-
1: okay. Band word nugget. That's gross. Nugget. Yeah
0: few nuggets, little 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 uh, gems, that just sounds little, gross. What no, should just, I use instead? I guess I shouldn't uh, use the items. word nuggets after you used the word <coughs> man-spreading. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that train of thought just yeah. doesn't go anywhere. No. Well, anywhere. Yeah. Nowhere good. <laughs> All right. Anyways, I, I found a few <clears throat> things that were of note. Um, overall, though, I do want to say that I think I think lightning is going to be a good thing for Salesforce. I will say that. Oh, I do too. But hold, hold on. Before I get to that, I, I forgot. I wanted to say something. Before I got into release notes, because it was kind of funny, or funny to me. For the first 30 minutes, I was reading release notes. I kept thinking... For the first, for the first 30 minutes? There yes. were multiple 30 minutes? Oh, it'll, it'll take periods. hours to read all the release notes. Are you yeah. kidding me?
1: If you really study them, you're not just... Does anyone do that? I do. I'm sure there are, actually. These uh, 9X certified people. <laughs> it's a requirement of the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> to read, all your, you must read all of these notes three times over yeah there's a log and everything wow <laughs> so that's what it takes to become an MVP damn it uh. alright so so I'm sitting there cursing
0: and I'm making all these notes like these really what the F notes because I'm going really are they really layering on lightning this heavy as if they just announced it guess what I was doing I was reading oh, the they're gonna make this for I was five reading years. I was reading the freaking winter 16 release notes oh yeah because I'm thinking winter you fail, not spring so then so then once i once I corrected my mistakes i started started over and started reading the the summer sixteen, I mean the spring sixteen, but it still is heavy lightning like every every section still feels the need to describe lightning in general, yeah. like there's it's not as heavy as the winter right. sixteen, but it's still there, you know, like they it's just there, yeah. It's like the release notes are are a I gotta stop using it's, the word like it's still novel. Uh, that's yeah. Um and um <laughs>
1: I'm going back to my, my words. <clears throat> but uh it's it's still f- We're gonna have to get our counters back out. I have it. I don't know. I think mine's in my bag somewhere. Yeah. Anyways, to he me He has I'm, no idea.
0: You have no idea. I don't. I don't, I really don't. All right, so on to some stuff. Uh, force.com ide I'm nothing just
1: preemptively give that a
0: yeah there's nothing really major in that one um, the only
1: that, have that sailed.
0: the only thing that was notable to me was that now it'll highlight um, for code coverage so you can do your code coverage on the class and you can go look at the class and it'll actually highlight the line that's not executed yeah that's a that's kind of a nice to have cuz i i use that in other tools to where I, so i can kind of quickly see <sighs> what line wasn't covered although it's misleading at times because you know, for damn well, it went in that line at some point for another test to pass. But
1: for some reason, in the context of this one, it didn't. Then if only Salesforce's covered code coverage tool or calculation was accurate and consistent. If only. It's still different whether you run it like through the UI, the testing thing, test execution in the UI, or whether you run it as a part of deployment, you get a different number. Yeah. It's never the same.
0: Uh, person accounts. And some person person account beta action. So that should make a few people happy that it rely on that.
1: Yeah. Super creepy.
0: Yeah, that like it. Uh they changed <clears throat> the name of the opportunity board because everyone was calling it kanban anyways. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they called it opportunity kanban. Although I don't know, opportunity board seems more accessible, but I think everyone was
1: calling it kanban because anyone who knows what kanban's all about would would uh, uh not agree with that. Yeah, well, it's not Kanban. Kanban is a flow system, and it's you know all about just in time, right? Pulling, it's creating a pull system, and really doesn't. It's, well, it's like a mixed metaphor or a wrong, bad metaphor. It's the wrong thing, but whatever. You got to call it what the people call it, right? Yeah, might as well give in. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just actually I think it's kind of cool if people know. It. I mean, think think about. <laughs> Back in the day, like when you and I met, right? I know. I mean, well, how many people knew what Kanban was back then? Only people like in manufacturing, Yeah, I was going right? to say,
0: just people doing in warehouses and manufacturing. It wasn't, even, and, it wasn't in
1: software development yet. No. I mean, when people in software development started talking about Kanban, I'm like, what? how do you know this? What are you, yeah. what are you doing? How are you? And I'm like, wait a minute, that does, because I'd always thought those things kind of would apply interesting to software process, right? We're going to start Kaizen-ing <laughs> our code. Well, we kind of do. You should, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess by <laughs> definition. But. Yeah. You, uh, we just don't, we don't really call it Kai's end, but you kind of do. You always should, anyway. Those are always fun. Uh, opportunity team.
0: So now you're able to view the opportunity team and Lightning experience. I, I make that notable because, you know, when I said that I think Lightning is a really good thing, uh, it's because as they add these new features, they're not really having to re-engineer the screens or anything. It becomes just another component that can now that is now available to the screen or available to your layout editor. Um, so I think I think the way they've designed it and implemented all these different components, it plays nicely to adding new features and including new
1: things. It's interesting that they're still adding though standard core <laughs> CRM features. That that just goes to show you how big of an effort this is. Oh, you want a really basic one? List
0: view customization, now hey, available. Yeah, you can see your list views? Yeah. No, you can you can edit the filters and everything. You couldn't edit them.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: this one's actually really nice. Um, uh, pop out email composer. So now you can get a little pop-up window instead of going to an entire new screen to send an email.
1: Is it a new entire frame, a new browser? Or is it... Or is it a...
0: I haven't played with it yet, but... From what I've seen, it's just another little hovering div floating on the screen.
1: I mean, so many things in Salesforce still are just window.opens, just a new pop-up and no, actual it, it, browser window. No, it did not window. look like an actual okay. browser window. It yeah. looked like,
0: you know, a floating div.
1: Yeah. so It's actually, they're <laughs> 10 years later, they're they're actually creating <laughs> something that resembles a single-page application.
0: Yeah. It's good. Uh, it just moving on to some deployment stuff. <coughs> Don't get too excited. Oh. Ugh. Sorry, fighting something here. Um, there's gonna Some of these. No, I was fighting a burp. Okay. <laughs> you be rude. You. Yeah. <laughs> uh they they say they improve the sandbox copy engine, but it's only gonna affect people who are using, you know, full sandboxes with templating. Any everything else is just basically a straight copy and it takes what, what it takes. Yeah. But I guess the algorithm for figuring out which data to bring over and, and all that kind of stuff, they've improved, which I've never had the opportunity to even use
1: that sandbox templating I use, copy yeah i use full sandboxes but i don't i've never used the templating thing yeah i've oh. never had to i guess it's although well, if you do have a ton of data i could see how bringing over certain yeah. i'm always scared though because anytime you only bring over a subset of data it's now it's not a, now it's not your I yeah i, I know. don't know it kind of defeats the purpose of having the full sandbox but it does I can, I, i'm sure but there's at times it's for it. better
0: than nothing right and oh, people absolutely. are paying for other tools that that will do something similar which is Create, grab a subset of your data and bring it into your sandbox environment um, this one's actually welcomed they're increasing the number of developer sandboxes you can have so for enterprise you used to only get one you will get
1: 25 I I—I I, I, I
0: know for a long time you've gotten multiple now well unlimited you've gotten 15
1: okay. you've,
0: you've, been work, you've been working mostly with unlimited but enterprise only got one just one developer yep no. Yep. No way. I was just on a project today. That's where the I had lowest to create one, right? The one that gets like 10 or something? And I had one developer sandbox and that was it.
1: Man, I haven't seen that in a long I mean I've I've no client that I'm working with has that love a limit. Because they're on unlimited. <clears throat> no. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> or they've
0: asked for more. I don't know. Either way, that's what the documentation said. It says you're going from one to twenty-five. So An- enterprise one to twenty-five, unlimited fifteen to fifty, performance. 30 to 100. I have no idea what these freaking I don't names mean anymore. I thought Unlimited was the top, and now it's performance,
1: and I really don't, I don't know. How Salesforce can take something that would, should be so simple of spinning up a new instance and make it incredibly complicated and costly and yeah, f- failure-prone? We
0: talked about something, and I thought this was, I thought this is what it was, but it wasn't. Remember when we were talking about deployments and we, we said there's really no way to, after you deploy it, to run code? There's a new feature being added but this is only to refreshes. So you can create an Apex class with some code and after your sandbox gets refreshed, it can run some code. And so that'll let you kind of either change some data to match whatever the sandbox environment should be or things like that. So whatever you need to do post-refresh, you'll be able to write some code to do. So as long as you can do it in code, you can do it. But it wasn't what you and I were hoping for, which is, I just deployed this to production. Now run this post script to either set up some data or, or do some things.
1: And make it part of the deployment so it either succeeds or fails atomically. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: development stuff. They've updated custom metadata type or they have a beta for custom metadata types to support picklists, which is welcomed in my opinion because it was pretty much straight text and almost like custom settings. Yeah. And whenever you because you have the ability to let users modify certain permissions, you kind of want to know what permissions they they'll put in, like you don't want them to typo some setting or some configuration you want. So pick lists obviously are the answers to that. Um, and then another feature is you can upsert metadata records. Strange limitations that now you, they're releasing and I'm just like, Oh, okay. This one's weird. I don't know what this one's about, but it's visual force with lightning experience beta. So I guess you can flip switch and your visual force will render using the lightning experience. I'll have to play around that and see how that works. I I
1: still don't understand how most Visual Force is going to work with any of this.
0: I don't know. So I'm curious about that one. I'll have to start playing with that one and see how it actually works out. Um, For Apex, they added this new thing. It's, I don't know how I feel about it. They're, They're giving you the ability to kind of create these, what they call test suites. And all it is is just a grouping of different tests so you can, create a group of tests and say run this run this group of tests so it, gets, it gives you a way to to kind of organize your tests a little bit so you can run them all if you maybe you're building a solution and it's made up of 10 classes with 10 unit tests each or yeah. whatever and you can group those together <coughs> uh, this is interesting I like this you can configure tests to fail after a certain number of times so you can basically give it a kill switch so you can say I've ran this deployment if if it starts to bomb, meaning you get more than 10 failures, stop. Oh, okay. So you're not stuck in that, you know, you click cancel after you are saying It's just, it's going to bomb. Let me click cancel. And you're still waiting for everything to finish.
1: Normally, like if you cancel deployment though, it will, it will stop. I mean, it might take 30 or 60 seconds, but it stops, right? I guess this is automated that you can just say, Hey, if, yeah, this if, is automated, so if there's can... as much as one failure to stop. Yeah, that is, that's kind of nice, I guess.
0: Um, in tests, you now have the, you will have the ability to set the create date. It's kind of awkward. You have to actually create your object, then pass your object to a method that's called set create date. yeah, and then it'll i guess it'll bypass whatever stuff they have on top of it that
1: prevents you from doing it. Um, but at least that's something, yeah. this is just a ne- never ending proprietary magic nowadays in Salesforce.
0: This one's interesting. (laughs) More reliable reset of limits for APEX tests.
1: More reliable resetting
0: of limits. What does resetting limits mean? So whenever you run a test and you call your start test, that's when it's supposed to start counting limits. And whenever you click stop test, that's when it's supposed to stop counting limits. Well, in some cases, or in a lot of cases, certain things would still
1: be counting, um, like SOQL queries and things like that. So it was kind of a bug in the system. I never knew that. So it wasn't, it didn't actually work as advertised before. Yeah. And now they're just saying, Oh, this actually does what you would think it would do now. Yeah. Yay. Good job guys. (laughs) Take a bow.
0: This I did not know. Remember all the platform stuff we were
1: talking about? The platform cash. They should take a bow. (laughs) Sorry. I'm a little late. I'm, I'm I'm rusty. You are slow. Platform cash. Yes. Which is kind of cool. Did you think it was free? Well, um, I guess it would be stupid to assume it's free. Because I don't think it is. <laughs> All right, so so the
0: indication in the release notes is that you can now request trial access to test performance improvements by using the platform cache. So you can request a trial access to using platform cache. I'm, I'm actually going to end up rereading my sentence. But basically, if you have code and you're having performance issues and you want to see if using the platform cache is going to help you out there, you can request access in your developer orgs or sandboxes and get access to it for, I think, 10 days. Which means well, platform's generous. cash must be licensed and was likely oh, an extra wow, cost. because I was about
1: to... We talked about... We talked about implementing yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm, that's on my list But today. I had
0: no idea. I mean, they talked about it, but I don't remember them talking about it being oh, a licensed feature. I have no idea how much it's going to cost. Nickel and dime as a service. It could be just you need to request it, but either way, it's a separate license... The fact that they're offering trial access tells me that it's, <clears> it's <throat> something that you're going to have to pay for.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, there's a new uh, SQL query syntax. It mainly affects, I think, um, folders. So you're supposed to, a, it'll allow <clears> you to <throat> query everything in folders that are private. Not sure I fully understand that, but it's there. Hmm. Um, this one's actually kind of cool. You can do some new formatting stuff in a select call. So you can can say format date. You can do format number. I don't know what all the features are just yet. I haven't gotten to reading or finding out how you're going to be able to format. If it's just a method call and it formats it however it formats it, or if you can set what the formatting is. But from the examples I saw in the documentation, it looked like you just called the function. You weren't able to supply what the format would be. It would just format it. They basically say, it's, it's almost like a two-string on a date, and it gets a certain format, or two-string on a number, and you get a certain format. Um, the other APIs, they had new stuff, but nothing that really jumped out at me, and there's nothing really pressing for me to use that. Um, the only thing I wanted to mention was the bulk API will now support JSON as a request, response, and a payload. So, Versus getting XML and all this kind of stuff, you can
1: just leave it in JSON. let me interrupt you for a minute (coughs) well that was the end of my list anyways did you see this Um, Salesforce reboots the Wave analytics and preps the IoT cloud this is today hot off the press hot off the press it won't be when you listen to it Um, Salesforce has successfully rebooted Wave it's also apparent the company's trying to avoid the sorts of misstep that plagued Wave as it prepares for Salesforce Thunder so hey all the stuff I was saying about Wave, I wasn't completely full of crap. Turns out they were doing a bunch of stuff wrong. <laughs> um, One see. of which was pricing. Oh, I Did don't they know. The pricing? I mean, turns out business is hard. So I'm not. It's not like I'm uh, saying I could have done any better. Okay, the first iteration of Wave, according to Doug Henshin of ZDNet, um, by most accounts was too expensive, too enterprise focused, and packaged too much like traditional BI. -hmm. Starting with a platform rather than apps was essential. Execs here insisted because partners and customers would ultimately want and need a way to build vertically, vertical industry and custom apps. Oh, I don't know. I I still think cost was the biggest barrier.
0: Cost and positioning like that was an intentional barrier.
1: barrier. We've already talked about that.
0: It was, but I mean that the reason for the barrier was was
1: probably to control access. So they're saying it should have been more of a platform and not apps or the other way around. They're saying, they're saying this new, the new wave is simplified. Um, they, so they did a fit. I guess this is official, although I hadn't seen it before. They did ditch did we know that they did that builder and Explorer licenses. I did not know they that ditched, ditched those, those and they have an all purpose. It's just a, 150 anyone who wants any kind of access to wave is 150 bucks a user a month. Okay. Which be essentially more than doubling your your cost for those users from their right from the from, from the different CRN tier and models. Whatever, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, they also introduced sales wave. Okay, we knew that. Oh, that's 75 a month. I didn't know that. With just some it's got some pre built sales related apps. 75 bucks a month. These are the kind of things they'll eventually be free. Right. Salesforce always does. That charge for a while and then it ends up being free. I don't know. I don't think so with Wave. I think Wave will still be a
0: buy-in product just like, you know, some of the other stuff. You're going to put that in your prediction book? I'll put that in my prediction. Well, what am I going to predict? That one day it's not... That it
1: will not be free. That it'll never be free. Yeah, like within, you can say, you know, so I think this will be free within two years. I don't think it'll be free in two years. I can say that much. Yeah. Uh, It says that, so the apps are supposed to Speed and simplified deployment with, you know, just user and yes like use case specific data flows. Wave sales wave template have templates for stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's like it's not a general purpose analytics. It's I guess people didn't know what to do with it. Maybe for for your typical CRM user or a CRM admin, maybe they're just like, yeah, this is too like low level, which I could totally see. And know, uh, if you're going to build an analytics tool for Salesforce right out of the box, you think it would be just all about opportunities and forecasts and who am I selling to and why am I not selling to these other people and all this kind of thing. You know, it should be all plat, it should be domain specific, the domain of selling stuff.
0: Well, I mean, that's what people got with their dashboards and that's what people I think who were looking at it expected it to be was like their dashboards. But it's, it's supposed to be more than that. It's supposed to be data analytics. You're supposed to have someone, you know, with some, like I guess, a data scientist background who can go in and kind of take all this information and present it in a way that's useful, and it's it's only useful to a key group of people that are that are trying to make high level decisions or at least view this information from a high level. Everyone else already has what they need at a granular level, and that's the dashboards and the reporting that they have in Salesforce. And on top of it, with the Lightning experience,
1: they're getting the the kind of wave charting and all that kind of stuff. Just an example of this quality uh, <laughs> tech journalism. It's another area where Salesforce will have to decide what it can should offer itself. What does that mean? I just it means that no one edited this article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're having like Internet of Things. So I guess on Wave there was like this overnight delay and crunching data and stuff, and they they're having a problem with IoT because IoT's got to be in a lot of cases real time and they just they don't have the infrastructure there well, Wave
0: and IoT w- would go great together I mean because th- that's all they're really offering they're offering a way to consume the data feed and and you know give you a way to, to gain some meaning out of it and that's what a BI tool is going to do for you
1: I definitely think that you know there's areas where like IoT and Analytics uh, I mean I- Analytics is a huge part of IoT right so there's definitely yeah. the, they're tightly kind of seamed together um, yeah it just—I don't know—doing anything at the, at the Salesforce scale. That's that's the that's the the challenge. Um, well, I remember all those success customers or success scenarios customers they had up there saying, "Oh, this changed our business and all that stuff." <laughs> I always listen to those. I'm just like, "Wow!" And For anyone who who anyone that uh, are at these events or listening to this that don't realize what a load of crap all this stuff is, I feel sorry for them because <laughs> it is a load of crap. Well, it is. They got a free ticket out of it. Salesforce. That's true. Probably got some uh, license discounts too. Hey, come on, dream, come on, stage of Dreamforce. us That's how wonderful things are. Right. We'll let you use Salesforce for free and you give us a man baby toothbrushes for free. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we talked about it before
0: that the the, the 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 guy that brought in the tool is never going to say how crappy the tool is. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like I put his head on the chopping no, block. No. It's going to go out there and continue to per- perpetuate the lie.
1: Right, and then, you know, he'll make sure his paycheck's collected and then he'll be, he'll be, off to some other thing by the time everyone realizes how bad it is. <laughs> what they're stuck with.
0: Uh, <clears throat> no, but I, I like Wave. I just I just think they they did brand I mean, I've always said that they branded this as this BI thing, but it was very limited. It didn't have all these other things that these BI tools had, like the statistical analysis and all these other kind of tooling.
1: Well, and we had those conversations
0: about like what type
1: of what which type of BI are they trying to be here? Yeah, exactly. And we just I still not sure. I mean, so I, don't I know. think
0: this is good for them to kind of bring it back in, <laughs> simplify it create a better message around it, of course, fix the licensing issue because it just was inaccessible for, for most people. So there's no,
1: there's just no, no one's asking for this for me. It seems like, and maybe, again, maybe this is just a scale problem. Once you get to the point where you have hundreds of thousands of customers like Salesforce does and you're you know, almost $10 billion company, how do you announce a new big, how do you build out, right? Before you even announce it, how do you build out a new big th- system? to offer to people in a way that's not a giant big bang, right? It's, I'm not sure how you do it. I mean, and in fact, maybe lightning is, is the way to do it. I, 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 no, don't get me wrong. I do think they totally oversold and did not communicate. Um, I will say fully transparently about lightning, but the people that are actually building it, not the marketing people, but people are building. I think they're doing it right with wave though. I feel like they tried to pre-build too much um and maybe not i don't I don't know what happened behind the scenes i don't know what beta customers were involved or, or whatever but you know they built this big thing and turns out they built it wrong i don't know that they built it wrong john they're they're having to reboot i mean look at even even in the past month Is i've that seen reboot a technology reboot or a branding uh, reboot oh it's a technology reboot i mean just read some of the stuff they're talking about how you know they've they've they're having to reduce this crunch that normally takes you know overnight they're gonna have to get that down to an hour and they they built it as a platform instead of apps i mean they, i don't know I, I think that crunch is really salesforce data related oh, yeah, i think any other yeah. system is
0: happy to serve up millions of records no problem like what like I, like we talked about earlier go do a query a million million right. query in in sql or it's no big deal, oracle right? you know no, a couple no seconds right I know. go do that in salesforce it'll take a while yeah, right yeah. So I, I think from a tech, technology
1: standpoint, if you're talking Crunch, it's the Salesforce side, not the other side. So I don't, I don't,
0: I don't really buy into but the I, technology. But I
1: think, I think they when they aimed on what you know when they started Wave, which is probably two or three years ago, they they aimed at yeah. a certain target, and I think they were aiming wrong. That's what I'm saying. I, I, they I'd They missed. Agree with that. They missed that.
0: I mean, I've used, I've used, I have access to it, so I've used it and I've I've seen it. It's it's actually a really nice tool. It's very simple. It's easy to navigate. There were some things that were missing when it first came out that have been implemented now, like the ability to delete, you know, some of my lenses and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, you know, from a very simple, accessible BI tool, it was there. Um, There were certain more advanced features of it that most people probably (coughs) wouldn't be able to get get into. And even I myself are going to have to, you know, ramp up to get into. But for the most part, it's accessible. You can start building stuff in it. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't argue with that, but that's that doesn't mean that it's going to be that it was right enough to be successful in the marketplace. Not for the target they picked, right? So no, that's good. I mean, they're pivoting. They already have, obviously, and they're re- they're you know refocusing on a slightly different target, and that's good. Yeah, um, it's all you can to do. Either that or shut it or shut it down. I don't think they want to do that because they would take a hit, a big hit.
0: I think there's room for
1: them to be in, in analytics, at least at least even centered around the platform itself. Yeah, I do too. Well, I mean, there's just there's gonna be more and more money going towards analytics, so why not be in that space?
0: Well, the problem with saying that is that if it doesn't offer everything that some of these other guys offer and your price point isn't is along the same lines, you're not gonna get much. I mean if, if someone's gonna if they're gonna get, you know i can't some reason the names are escaping me, but i b m or some some other' business intelligence it can connect to Salesforce, so you know where's right. the advantage? Right. I'm gonna use this tool that has all these other statistical analysis and trending and forecasting and all that kind of stuff built into it, yeah, yeah, but in terms of like sales analytics or some kind of vertical you want to build in Salesforce and you want to offer analytics, I think it'll be great for that, at least the way it's sitting right now,
1: yep. Well, what else? Is that it? Are we good? Yeah, we're we're over time. Longer than I intended. Yep. And to that, I say good day, sir. Adios, senor. And cats and boots, and cats and boots, and cats. They should take a bow. That was fun. Except for your creepy voices. You just don't want to participate in a conversation.